From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium, brothers and sisters. A sad day in the uh, Serrett household. Greece lost to Costa Rica. And it was we lost on penalty kicks uh, at the World Cup. I don't know if you're following the World Cup. Uh, I'm not a, a traditionally a soccer fan, but uh, as you know, the mighty Aphrodite is uh, Greek, and uh, I guess I'm an honorary Greek, and so I have been caught up in this whole World Cup thing. And um, anyway, uh, so the boys and I, and uh, Yaya, my mother-in-law, were watching downstairs up in uh, Thornhill. And uh, the mighty Aphrodite is in uh, Greece, in Kalamata. She was in a tavern watching the game with a friend over there. And so we were on Skype together, watching the game together. And it was, oh, it was a heartbreaker. We, uh, Greece tied it. I say we. Uh, anyway, Greece tied it in the, in the dying moments of the second half. And then we had a half a dozen chances to put it away in, in extra time. But they just couldn't get it done. And then Costa Rica's goalie made a brilliant Save on the penalty shot, and that uh, sealed the deal. A real heartbreaker, I'll tell you. The soccer game, not uh, the mighty Aphrodite. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, we'll get over it. We'll get over it. And good luck to Costa Rica. You always like the team that beats you to go right to the uh, the end, right? Because that way you feel like you've been beaten by the best. So, uh, Zito Costa Rica. Uh, I want to welcome a new affiliate to KBU. F, KBUF AM uh, 1030. Let me do that again. KBUF AM 1030 in uh, Wichita to the program. I know I mentioned them last week, but uh, uh, I believe they're going to start carrying the program this week. And I'm uh, delighted and honored to be uh, included on KBUF's uh, weekly schedule. And I look forward to hearing from uh, people listening in on KBUF. So drop me a line and you can contact me through the website, richardserrett.com, or say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. Uh, and now, for some uh, equally exciting news, Season 3 of my television program, The Conspiracy Show, debuts August 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern, on Vision TV. August 11th, 10 p.m. 13 brand new episodes, including uh, the execution of Martin Luther King Jr. and the framing of James Earl Ray. Uh, the murder of Marilyn Monroe, the assassination of John Lennon, energy healing, uh, the water engine, uh, geez, what else? Oh, uh, the cure for cancer. Has it been suppressed? We did an episode on that. I'm really proud of uh, these episodes, i got to tell you. And uh, there's some other ones in there that I, I just can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, anyway, uh, Vision TV, across Canada, August 11th, 10 p.m. And I think I may have mentioned... Uh, uh, the program can now be seen in the United States on Destination America. Uh, anyway, we're thrilled about Season 3, and uh, special thanks uh, to Jalal Murai, the, uh, and the whole Murai family, really, at Film One, for producing and really making it happen. There wouldn't be a conspiracy television program without Jalal Murray, and that's the darn truth. Uh, much of the uh, Season 3, actually, now that I think of it, was filmed in New York City. And we were camped out in the Hotel New Yorker in Chelsea. Uh, it was the corner of 8th, 8th Avenue and 34th Street. Uh, and it was, it was, now we're going back a little while, but this was just before Hurricane Sandy hit. So it was October. And uh, I don't know if you've been to the Hotel New Yorker. Beautiful uh, building. 
in Chelsea, constructed in the uh, the Art Deco style. And it's also, of course, famous for being the home of the brilliant Nikola Tesla, who lived there for about 10 years, I think. And, of course, he died there. Uh, and he had two suites up on the 33rd uh, floor. And it's now one room, and you can actually you can stay there. You can rent it out and stay there, room uh, 3327. And uh, uh, died there in 1943, alone and penniless. And um, rumor has it that, of course, immediately following his death, the FBI swooped in and stole many of his papers. Anyway, there's a plaque commemorating a Tesla right outside his room. And uh, when, when I was staying there, I think I was uh, staying on the 17th floor or something like that. One night, anyway, I'd been down in the lounge. They've got two lounges at uh, the New Yorker, and one's called Cooper's Tavern. So I was down there having a cocktail, and afterwards, I decided to check out Tesla's room. So I took up, I took the elevator up to the, uh, the 33rd floor, and uh, I got off, and all the lights were off in the corridor, except there was one down at the end of this hall, and it was kind of flickering. I thought, wow, that's kind of strange. And uh, so I got off the uh, the elevator, and the doors closed behind me. And I started walking down, and I had I remember I had my cell phone with me, and I was kind of shining a light, and so and I thought this is kind of creepy. And I anyway, I came to room thirty three twenty seven, and all the lights were off, and and uh, there was the plaque. It wasn't so dark you couldn't see, you know. They, but the the the, uh, the one light was flickering at the end of the hall, and uh, so I thought that's really bizarre. So I anyway, I got back on the elevator. I was feeling a little bizarre, or a little uh, off, a little uh, uneasy. I went back to my room. And then the next morning at breakfast, I mentioned it to the waiter, and I said, I told him what happened, 33rd floor, and Tesla, and blah, 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 ghosts, I said, perhaps. And he said, no, 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 uh, you know, th- th- we had um, electrical problems all through the night. Uh, keeping in mind, you know, it was pretty blustery in New York at this time, again, just before Hurricane Sandy rolled in. So uh, so there, there goes my ghost story. Uh, I thought I was on to something. Anyway, speaking of Tesla, you know, his birthday's coming up uh, next month, mid-July, the 12th, I think. And there's a four-day exposition and celebration coming to southern Ontario called Tesla Mania, celebrating the inventions, the visions, and the life of the uh, the eccentric Serbian-American inventor. And I think it's July, yes, July 10th through the 13th. And there are a number of venues here in Toronto, Oakville, Niagara Falls, a number of great speakers, a new documentary on, uh, on Tesla, uh, on his healing technologies called The Healing Fields. Uh, which was uh, produced by uh, Robert Conley, who's a good uh, friend of the program, and a number of, as, as I say, featured speakers, uh, one of which joined me last night on Coast to Coast. Not sure if you were able to, to hear me on Coast last night. Uh, for three hours, I spoke with Dr. William Pollock, who's one of the uh, foremost authorities in, uh, in North America uh, on the positive biological effects uh, of pulsed electromagnetic field therapy, which was discovered by Nikola Tesla. Anyway, I thought we'd talk about the same thing tonight as well, for about an hour. And it's interesting because I mentioned the conspiracy show. My next guest has been on this program a number of times, and she's been featured on one or two episodes of the TV show, I think, going back to seasons one and two. We talked about electromagnetic fields and the dangers of EMF. Magda Havis is uh, 
Associate Professor of Environmental and Resource Studies at Trent University. In fact, I think we've reached her right now. She's in the lab and she teaches there and does research on the biological effects of environmental contaminants. She received her Ph.D. from the University of Toronto, completed postdoctoral research at Cornell University and taught at the University of Toronto before going to Trent here in, uh, in Peterborough. And her research since the 1990s has been concerned with, as I say, the biological effects of electromagnetic pollution, including radio frequency radiation, electromagnetic fields, dirty electricity, and ground current. She works with diabetics as well as with individuals who have multiple sclerosis, tinnitus, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and those who are electrically hypersensitive. She also conducts research on sick building syndrome as it relates to power quality in schools. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Magda back to The Conspiracy Show. Hello, Magda. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm well, thank you. And uh, did we, in fact, reach you in your laboratory? I am in my lab, not at the university. It's it's at the Rose Lab. Ah, okay. And uh, I I hear it on good authority. My producer tells me we're going to hear a plant sing live on the air tonight. <laughs> Is that right? If you allow me to do that, yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to that in a minute because that's a bit of a head scratcher. But uh, <laughs> listen, let's. You know, for years you have been. Um, I'm going to use the word consumed. I mean, this has been your life's work. Uh, the the adverse effects of things like Wi-Fi and and uh, and, and cell phones and baby cell, uh, baby uh, monitors and so forth. The dirty electricity. The adverse biological effects. Uh, but here you are now, a, a part of this a Tesla mania, and in part you're going to be singing the praises, the healing effects of um, electromagnetic fields. That's right. What caused this uh, this turnabout, or or was there a turnabout? I guess uh, have you always sort of advocated, you know, there's kind of a there's there's two sides to the equation. No, I I don't think I've done that. <laughs> I think I focus primarily on the negative side of this. Uh, but I work with people who have developed a sensitivity to this radiation and electromagnetic fields, and so I'm trying to figure out how to diagnose them objectively so that medical doctors can do the diagnostics in their in their offices and i'm also trying to figure out how to help them and we do know that certain frequencies are actually quite beneficial for the body and the question is um, do these therapies work that are available um, and can people who are electrically hypersensitive benefit from them or are they simply just too sensitive to any form of electromagnetic energy and and you know this ties into nikola tesla because here was a guy that worked constantly in a laboratory he had the you know the tesla coils and uh, the van de graaff generators and just constantly uh, surrounded by uh, electromagnetic fields so i mean it must have had one would have thought an, an adverse effect on him so is that what do you know if is that what led tesla to figure out okay i i better counteract all of this and 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 find out you know how i can maybe remedy this with with, with healthy electromagnetic fields. Well, you know, he was a very, I mean, he was a brilliant scientist who had a very broad range of interests, and certainly his inventions um, show that very clearly. And he was exposed. He was exposed to some very high uh, electric fields and high frequencies. And he lived to the ripe old age of 86, so he must have been doing something wrong, right. Um, and we do know, you know, that he was quite active, physically active. He walked. He had special diets, which I'm certain helped, but that wouldn't have been enough, I think, to protect him. And he probably figured out what frequencies were beneficial and then treated himself accordingly. 
Well, uh, you know, you mentioned he would go for long walks. I, 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 I think he, he walked something like eight to ten miles a day. And, and um, so, I mean, what kind of uh, what kind of frequencies in nature uh, would would he have encountered that would have had a, a, a positive biological effect? Well, you know, the Earth produces a magnetic field. It's a direct current magnetic field, <clears throat> so it's different than the alternating current that Tesla worked on that we use for electricity in most places. Um, and that has a beneficial effect on people, and studies have shown that if you're isolated from the Earth's magnetic field, all sorts of things begin to go wrong with your um, diurnal rhythm, your biological rhythm. We have solar radiation. A lot of that solar radiation is actually quite beneficial for the body. And being exposed to the right qualities of light, for example, it helps produce, um, helps your body produce vitamin D. So we know that light is healing. And he was exposed to all of that. All right, uh, Magda, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and uh, continue to talk about the positive biological effects of electromagnetic fields and electromagnetic field therapy. Dr. Magda Havis, part of Teslamania, teslamania.tv. For more information, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. Dr. Magda Havis is uh, with us, and uh, she's uh, in her lab. And we're talking about uh, Nikola Tesla, uh, Tesla Mania, coming to uh, southern Ontario in July, July 10th through the 13th, celebrating his his visions, his inventions, and his life. Uh, And uh, Dr. Magda Havis is one of the featured speakers. And now uh, talking about the healing effects of electromagnetic fields. And uh, we, we mentioned Tesla getting out into nature and, and, and uh, exposing uh, himself to the solar frequencies and the, the geomagnetic frequencies and, and um, uh, the Schumann resonance. Uh, so does this, I mean, in t- this is, you know, 70 years ago that Tesla was out walking around Central Park or wherever. And here we are now living in a virtual electronic smog. Is the... Are things like solar frequencies, the Schumann frequencies, the geomagnetic frequencies enough to counteract the the, the adverse effects of you know this the Wi-Fi and the dirty dirty electricity and and uh, and all of the stuff that we're swimming in? No, I don't think so, and I think that's the reason that we've got so many chronic illnesses in our society with people being on painkillers and. Uh, sleeping pills and mood enhancers and, you know, antidepressants, things like that. So we're, you know, we're really living in a culture that's chronically ill. So explain to me then, uh, the difference between good EMF and bad EMF. Well, you know, the human body is an electromagnetic organ and medicine has focused primarily, medicine in North America has focused primarily on the chemistry of the body, the biochemistry, and we treat a lot of illnesses with medication to alleviate symptoms in some cases and in other cases to uh, promote um, uh, different types of healing therapies. But the body is also electromagnetic, which means that if we understand how the cells communicate with one another, instead of giving people pills, we can actually treat them electromagnetically by giving them the right frequency that has the same effect that the body of, of something that the body needs. Now, one of Tesla's devices was the Tesla coil, and that's being used in therapies that are called pulsed electromagnetic field therapies, or PEMF for short. 
And I know Dr. Pollock talked about that last night on Coast to Coast. Um, and we've had incredible success. We're just really starting this research, but we've had some amazing results uh, with this kind of pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Um, and it's therapy that's being used in Europe and in Russia and, and parts of Asia and is virtually unheard of here in North America. Or, or was uh, or has been unheard of since about 1910, from what I understand, because after Tesla uh, discovered much of this, he started training electricians uh, to, to help people. And then all of a sudden, around 1910, the lid came slamming down all, on all of this. And, and uh, these doctors, or, or these practitioners rather, were, were, were considered to be quacks. That's what, right. What happened? Well, that came with the Flexner Report uh, in 1910. And the Carnegie Foundation believed that um, they wanted to regulate medicine um, much more effectively than it was being regulated. And they wanted to ensure that it was science-based and um, that doctors had a certain minimal amount of, of education. And so they really wanted control over the medical industry. And they did that, and mostly that was that was a good thing. But alternative therapies were then uh, put by the wayside, and homeopathy and um, a lot of therapies that are currently being used in, in Europe with considerable success um, were simply not allowed in North America. And so we became a, a, a culture, a medical culture, that relied very heavily on the pharmaceutical industry. And surgery. And surgery, that's right, and radiation therapy too, for you know, with the cancers that um, you know we're experiencing. Oh, so, so give us some some examples. Um, these may be um, um, case studies, but give me some examples of, of people who are being uh, treated for different for various ailments using pulsed electro electromagnetic field therapy. Well, there are certain things that have been around for quite a long time and are well accepted by the medical profession. Non-union bone fractures comes to mind. That's been available um, since the 1970s. And if you're if you fracture a bone and it doesn't heal by itself, um, uh, you can then expose it to pulsed electromagnetic frequencies, and it will speed up the rate of healing considerably. Now, the problem is that it's not automatically used. It should be automatically used when a, any kind of bone fracture happens, um, whether it's a non-union or a union, because it will just speed up the healing process. Transcranial magnetic stimulation um, is being used for depression, for example, quite successfully. Um, and CAMH, which is a center for addiction and mental health at the University of Toronto, um, they're doing research on this with considerable success. Uh, but the problem is that um, the only people who can have access to this, this treatment are those who have tried at least three different types of chemical antidepressants that haven't worked. Um, so it's really being marginalized as a form of therapy. Um, pulse electromagnetic frequencies have been used for pain relief for a very long time, and they're used in veterinary medicine, so there's no placebo effect, for example that people are very concerned about. Um, there's a lot of different technologies now. Um, MATS, for example, there's several that we have here in the lab, the IMRS, the Beamer, the MASS, and the RUMART. Um, and these are basically Tesla coils in different forms, um, producing various frequencies and waveforms. And um, when I first got into this, uh, one of the claims that was made by the IMRS was that it causes your blood cells to look really healthy that they don't stick together. Um, that's a condition called rouleau. 
And so I thought, well, you know, I, I purchased one of these mats because I wanted to test it. And um, I, I did a test. I put, you know, took a blood sample, put it under the microscope, and after I laid on the mat for eight minutes, my blood cleared up beautifully. It was, it was looked really healthy blood. Um, and um, I remember one night I actually got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I banged my uh, leg against the bed. It had a sharp corner on it. And the, the, it was so strong um, that I actually cut the skin and it was bleeding. And I knew the next morning I'd have a major bruise and it would be painful. Um, and so I treated myself with the, with the uh, pulsed therapy for about 10 minutes. Went to bed, woke up in the morning, there was no bruise, no swelling. And you could still see where the skin had been cut, but it looked like it was already a three-day-old three um, injury. That's some pretty compelling anecdotal evidence. But is, it, is there... Uh documented uh, studies to go along with that? Well, there's a lot of clinical work being done, particularly in Europe, um, on this. Um, just one other, Let me give you one other example, because this is really quite amazing, and, and my research in this is just beginning, so I don't have you know, a list of studies that I can tell you that we've done, but um, I was learning how to use the OnDemet. This is a technology that diagnoses, you know, what frequencies are out of balance in your body and then gives you back those frequencies. And I was learning how to use the device, <clears throat> and I had just had heart surgery um, a few months earlier, open heart surgery, triple bypass, and I had complications. And I had fluid um, accumulating outside my left lung, which made breathing extremely difficult. And I had a number of chest x-rays and was told that if it didn't clear up and it wasn't clearing up, it was getting worse, that I would have to have it um, suctioned out. And um, I went for this on-demand training, and the woman who was training me said, you know, you're having difficulty breathing. I explained to her what had happened. She said, well, let me treat you. She treated me twice. Um, the first time I didn't notice a difference. The second time, they were both about 20-minute treatments. The second time, I could breathe much easier. A few days later, I went back for the um, another chest X-ray, and the radiologist said that the drainage must have worked because all the fluid was gone. So this was totally non-invasive um, way of having my body basically heal itself, which is really quite amazing. I'll say. And so, what is this device called again? An Ondamed? It's called Ondamed, and it's, this one's primarily for clinicians to use. It's, it's fairly expensive. Um, some of the other therapies that you can you can actually buy for your home and treat your entire family, including your pets. It's uh, they're pretty low frequency and they're pretty safe to use. And w- where do they where do we get those? And how much do they cost? Um, they vary in price um, depending on, on the kind of unit you get. Um, some are as, as inexpensive as a few hundred dollars, um, and then some are quite costly in the order of about five, six, seven thousand dollars 7000 The benefit, I think, of having something like this in your home is that you can treat yourself on a regular basis. Um, and you can treat everyone in your home. So it's not like having to go and getting a prescription filled again and paying more and more money. One of the devices I tested is called an AlphaSim, and um, this is something you wear around your neck, and it produces low frequencies um, that are similar to the brainwave frequencies that we produce, um, you know, alpha, beta, theta, and delta. And um, I was going... Um, it, I've tried a lot of these devices, and many of them don't work for me, you know. So when I go to health shows and I try something, they say, put this on, and usually I can't feel anything, or sometimes it makes me feel ill. Anyway, I tried this device, and um, 
I had to go. Um, I went on a trip to Europe, um, to Germany, to do some, um, to attend a conference and to visit some labs. And I put it on, and I set it to an alpha wavelength, which is the wavelength that helps you concentrate or meditate. Um, and I had it on all the time. Um, you know, flights going in that direction are usually quite hard on the body because you don't get to sleep at all. I was up for 36 hours nonstop, and at the end of that, I felt as refreshed as before I left for the trip. And this has never happened to me in my life. Um, and um, I remember sort of thinking, my God, this this really works. So I wear it periodically when I have a lot of work to do, and I need to be re- really conscious and and you know with it um, and it seems to work enormously well we've tried it with some people who are electrically sensitive and they've had very good success with it as well so what you can basically do is is uh, dial in the frequency that you want so if you want to be relaxed you dial in a, a theta or a delta frequency and it'll help you go to sleep if you want to be focused you dial in an alpha and if you want to be sort of really awake, um, you dial in theta or beta, and um, uh, you can basically control your brainwave activity and, and your diurnal clock. And what frequencies work best for pain management? Uh, with this one, it's not for pain management. Um, the the mats. This is really basically just to control brainwave activity and your level of alertness. Um, it's primarily the mats that are used for pain therapy. One of the things we did, uh, there's a company called um, Rumart. It's from Quebec. Um, um, Dr. Roland Drolet was is the um, inventor of the technology, and they're basically um, two, they look like hula hoops. Um, that ha- It's a Tesla coil, but about the size of two hula hoops. We took this technology to a colleague friend of mine who's a chiropractor in Pennsylvania. He has a company called Bioenergy Med. And um, he deals with a lot of pain, back pain patients. And when we were there, um, he had a patient who had chronic back pain, and he hadn't been able to deal with this patient, um, has, hadn't had success with him. And we asked him if he would try the room art, and, and the patient was willing to, to do that. Um, Dr. Jeff Marangel did a scan. It's called an um, electro-interstitial scan that will tell you where the um, problems are in the vertebrae, and so we could see where the inflammation was on the scan. Um, we treated the patient for about 10 minutes um, at a moderately high setting, a sort of intermediate high setting. And at the end of the treatment, he said 80% of his pain had, was gone. His back pain was gone. We rescanned him. We rescanned his body, and all of the inflammation was gone. Two weeks later, that pain had not returned. And my guess is that had he had that treatment, um, not just once, not just one, you know, 10-minute treatment, but a treatment for a few days, we could have probably gotten rid of all of his back pain. I know we can't, uh, you know, throw around words like healed. Uh, but h- how effective uh, is pulsed electromagnetic field therapy when dealing with uh, uh, diseases like uh, cancer? You know, that's the one um, question that I also have. Um, I know that when I was reading technology about um, bone healing, uh, one of the things I read was not to use it on cancer patients. And... It didn't say why, but I expect it's because it promotes cell growth. 
Um, and so if you're promoting cell, bone cell growth, you're contributing to the healing process of a fracture. If you're promoting cancerous cell growth, then you're, promote, you're contributing to the healing or to the promotion of cancer. Interesting. Which okay. It's not a good thing. No. How, however, people do use it as, as um, you know, along with chemotherapy to actually help the body um, improve the immune system and improve circulation. So really as an as a aid to cancer treatment. All right, we'll uh, take a time out. Dr. Magda Havis stays with us, and at some point we're going to hear a plant sing live on the radio. We're talking Nikola Tesla and his remarkable healing technologies, pulse electromagnetic field therapy. Dr. Magda Havis here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Dr. Magda Havis, who will be one of the featured speakers at Teslamania, uh, which is coming to Toronto, Oakville, Niagara Falls, on uh, July the 10th through the 13th. And if you were listening to Coast to Coast last night, I, uh, I spoke with Dr. William Pollack, uh, who is, uh, I guess, one of the, the experts in uh, pulse electromagnetic field therapy uh, for the last quarter century. And uh, you may have seen him on Dr. Oz. And Dr. Oz is also a great fan of, of Tesla medicine, as they call it. Uh, now, Dr. Havis, let's... Um, Let's get to this uh, elect- this uh, singing plant. <laughs> what, pray tell, is the connection between a, um, uh, a, a singing plant and Nikola Tesla's medicine? Well, um, we were... Let me just uh, back up. Lab. Um, we've set up a private lab called the Rose Lab, and that stands for Research of Subtle Energy. And we're trying to understand how how to monitor people who have developed... Uh, on electrosensitivity. And we decided to buy a polygraph machine, which is a lie detector. Limestone Technologies in Canada makes them. They're, they're one of the leading um, distributors of polygraph machines. And it, we're not using it as a lie detector. We're actually using it as, as a stress detector. Because when you hook people up and they lie, um, their hand sweats, and so you can get a galvanic skin response. It's very, very effective technology. And one day, Bob Conley and I were... Uh, working with the, the lie detector, and he said, why don't we hook it up to a plant? Now, a guy called Cleve Baxter, who was a specialist in um, poly, poly, polygraph machines back in 1966, did the same thing. I and, believe I interviewed Cleve many years ago oh, about, about this. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful. Well, so you're familiar with what he did, um, I assume. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Well, we did the same thing. So we hooked up a plant, and we wanted to see if we could get a response from it. And and Bob sort of went to scare the plant, you know, and the plant reacted just like a human would. And then he did it again, and the reaction wasn't quite as as strong. And then the third time he did it, the plant said, oh, you're just joking, and you're not doing anything to me, and didn't react at all. And so what we could see on the screen was this kind of reaction of, of one plant to to a human being. We then watered another plant that was in a totally different pot, and the plant that was hooked up responded, which was really kind of unusual and and hard to explain. And so we began to work with these plants, trying to figure out what they responded to. 
And instead of just looking at a, at a line on a screen that goes up and down like a polygraph machine, um, Bob decided that we should really hook it up to something that makes sound so that we can hear what these plants uh, are doing. And there's something called a MIDI, which is you know an uh, uh, interface that allows you to convert um, the changes in the voltage to music or sound. And we contacted Limestone Technologies that made the polygraph and asked them to make a special one for us that we could hook up to plants and that would play a sound. So they, they developed this technology for us. And we hooked plants up and we found that as we approached the plant, the plant would make a sound. Um, and Bob thought this would be a great thing to show it um, at Pestlemania in at the Science Center, which he's doing, and also at uh, Joshua Creek um, on the Saturday. And um, so then he wanted to make sure that the plants wouldn't get stage fright because sometimes they'd respond to us and sometimes they wouldn't, and they would respond differently to different people, which was really quite amazing. And so we began to play around with it, and we found that if we took um, a quartz crystal, um, whether irrespective of the shape of it, or one of those singing bowls, if we used a singing bowl and made it sing, hum, the plant basically followed the same sound. And, and almost, you know, it was like playing together with the music. And we can conduct it if we used a, a quartz baton, just like, a, you know, a conductor would in an orchestra. And so Bob got these plants um, to do all sorts of fascinating things. And um, we went to the Total Health Show, and we were doing, um, we were showing different lights, and some are harmful and, you know, some have beneficial frequencies. And we also took these singing plants. We took two of them two house plants and we hooked them up and um, we showed people that if they approached them the plants would respond and so I recorded it and I recorded it on my iPad so the quality isn't great and I'm sure if Bob's listening to this he's groaning right now that um, you know I'm going to show something that's not quite up to his his level um, but it's absolutely fascinating and I've had friends over and I've, I've played the plants to them and they're mesmerized by this. Um, <laughs> Listen, we, we have to take a break. We come back and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hear the singing plant. Now, uh, which, which plants are, are uh, the best singers? Are they azaleas or rhododendrons? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we found that some ferns refuse to play our game. You know, aloe seems to be pretty good. <laughs> aloe. All right. Okay. Well, listen, we'll, um, are we going to hear from an aloe when we come back? You will. Wonderful. Making its radio debut here on The Conspiracy Show, a singing aloe plant from the Rose Laboratory, Dr. Magda Havis conducting. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, as promised, you are about to hear an aloe plant uh, singing um, under the uh, supervision of Dr. Magda Havis, who joins us on the line. We're talking about Tesla's healing uh, technologies, and uh, Dr. Havis will be uh, one of the featured speakers at something called Tesla Mania, which is a, uh, a four-day celebration, exposition, the, uh, the life and times and inventions and visions of the great futurist inventor, Nikola Tesla. Uh, Teslamania.tv is the website. Okay, so uh, you have hooked up this aloe, aloe plant, rather, aloe plant, 
which is a um, uh, it's a it's a it's a desert plant, is it not a succulent? That's right, it's a succulent. We actually have two plants hooked up. One's an aloe and one's a fern. They're both in pots, and they're they're hooked up with um, the same thing that you would hook a person up to a, a lie detector, and they're put through a musical interface device. And one one is the aloe is the ha, is hooked up to a drum, and the other plant is hooked up to um, almost like a crystal um, high frequency sound. So you'll be able to tell the difference now. At the, to- at the um, uh, Toronto Science Centre, when we do this on stage, we'll have at least four different plants playing together with someone, uh, with some musicians, some human musicians uh, playing the theremin and other other technologies. So it's going to be really quite entertaining. So this was this was um, I, I taped this at the um, um, Total Health Show in Toronto back in April. And I'm going to play it for you now. There's a little bit of background of people there, but the boom boom is the aloe. And, and was it who who was playing the vibes there? Was that the fern? That was the fern. All right. Was it a Boston fern? I can't. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I'm All sorry. right. Maybe studied under Arthur Fiedler. I'm thinking <laughs> with the. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, now, so how do we know that th- this is not just uh, a, some sort of background uh, noise that's being produced? I don't know. Uh, not uh, not by the plant, but somewhere well, in, internally. The electrodes are hooked up to the plant, and the plant is going is experiencing uh, across those two electrodes difference in the electrical voltage. Uh, I had the same question you had. So what we actually did is we took the um, the electrodes and put them on glass that should vibrate as well if there was any kind of vibration in the room, and they didn't play anything for us. When no matter what we did. Um, we put it on me and I didn't play anything either. Um, it was really the plants that reacted and it's not, they're not reacting in a random fashion. They're really reacting almost in an intelligent way. Um, because what you heard was not noise. That was a composition. It was a composition. And when you hear these plants playing together, it is magical. I mean, people sit there with their mouths open, thinking, oh, my God, this is beautiful. And, you know, I, I actually see in the future that um, uh, garden centers will have these instruments, um, healing places, uh, spas will have them. So instead of, you know, listening to music that a human has, has manufactured, you're going to be listening to healing plants playing so, music for you. So, Magda, what are, we, what are we saying then about plants, that they, they have a consciousness? Well, you know, the way people are now responding to plants, the ones that have interacted with them and they get, they elicit a response and the response is specific to the individual. It's not the same response with every person. They have a totally new respect for the plant after that. It's not as though it's just something in a pot. Um, I'll be working in my lab and I'll have them hooked up and, you know, I'm in a different room and suddenly they'll start playing. Um, for no reason, and I'll go over and I'll talk to them um, because it's almost like they're trying to communicate with me. And, you know, that's my interpretation of this. But if you interact with them, it really does feel like an interaction rather than just a random response. My word. 
so salad really is murder. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for the vegetarians who won't eat meat uh, because after you interact with these plants, you really recognize that they're a very um, important life form that um, you know you have to have a lot of respect for as well. Well, I, I, I'm trying to um, sort of dial back to my conversation. It was either Clive Baxter or um, his assistant, uh, a woman whose name escapes me, because I think at that time Clive was getting on in years. <clears throat> in fact, he may have passed by now. I'm not sure. Um, but it seems to me uh, that uh, he or she uh, talked about um, the um, the cells, not just in plants, but even in things like chicken eggs. Uh, it wasn't just it wasn't just the cells in plants. It was any living cell seems to have this ability this to to, to communicate in some way. Uh, are you finding that, or, or or is your research limited to plants at this point? Um, it's limited to plants right now, but I have followed Baxter's work and and the things that he did. Um, you know, doing things in a random fashion. I mean, the plants were actually reacting to his thoughts, which is truly amazing. Um, I watched a program a few days, a few weeks ago on how plants communicate with one another and they tend to do it through uh, pheromones and, and different, you know, uh, chemicals that they release into the air and I expect they're also communicating electromagnetically. Um, and if this is going to be a new area of research for, you know, some graduate student, um, I think it'll be absolutely fascinating. One of the things I'd love to do is to try to get plants not to play music so much, but to actually um, say words like yes, no. Um, so if the potential goes in a certain direction, it's a yes, and if it goes in another direction, it's a no. And you know, ultimately be able to communicate with them. And being in the same uh, in the same proximity uh, as these plants, are they emitting? Uh, some sort of a, a, a beneficial frequency? Well, that I don't know. Um, but certainly there are people who are very sensitive to energies, and they tell me that um, they interact with their plants, that they really feel that their plants are responding to them, and they do feel that their plants have a healing effect. Um, I don't have any evidence to that you know, myself, but um, it's certainly a fascinating area to study. Getting back to Tesla and and uh, these healing technologies, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Uh, I mean, what's what's preventing the widespread use? Why doesn't every home, why doesn't every doctor's office have one of these devices? Well, I think um, we're kind of fortunate here in Canada compared to the United States. The federal, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Um, has clamped down on these uh, devices. In Canada, um, Health Canada is actually allowing a number of them through. The Ondemet, for example, has been approved. Um, Rumart has been approved. Um, a number of them are now going for approval um, so that they can be used either by physicians or um, in the home um, because they don't seem to have um, any adverse effects. You know, they've, these have been used for decades in, in Europe with Remarkable results, absolutely remarkable results. We also have a fairly strong um, pharmaceutical lobby in North America, much stronger in the United States than Canada, and it will compete um, for obviously limited funds. Um, but my, in my mind, I think um, healing with lights, um, which is just part of the electromagnetic spectrum and pulsed electromagnetic fields, I think is is the way that we're going to be um, treating people with illnesses in the future, and they will be treating themselves. Um, 
Uh, and I think what this technology does is it promotes the body's ability to, to heal itself and to self-regulate. Um, and it can be used for so many different things that, you know, that's already in the literature that we can find. So I think this is the future of healthcare. It's going to be a very inexpensive um, way of, of treating people and um, keeping them healthy. Uh, but but for now, uh, and and I and I talked to William Pollock last night, and he was not particularly hopeful uh, that this is. I mean, it's going to be a tough road because of the costs for getting uh, these devices approved and and uh, you know completing the necessary studies and so forth. Well, that's um, one of the things the Rose Lab is doing. We are actually testing these devices, or plan to test them, um, to find out how effective they are for different types of things. We already know that it benefits circulation enormously. There's been studies done in Europe on that. Um, it affects your immune system. It actually boosts your immune system enormously. And when you promote the body's ability to heal itself, that's when you get true healing involved. So I'm actually much more optimistic than, than Dr. Pollock. Um, I think uh, we're going to have these devices here, and doctors are going to want to use them, and so will patients um, working in their own homes. So Teslamania. Uh, July 10th through the 13th, teslamania.tv for uh, more information. You'll be speaking where and when? I'll be speaking at the Toronto Science Centre on Thursday, July 10th. That's Tesla's birthday. I'll also be at um, Joshua Creek, which is in Oakville. That's the Joshua Creek Creek Art Centre. And we'll have the musical plants there so people will be able to interact with them. There'll be some of the healing therapies there for people to try out and use. Um, books, crystals, um, Tesla souvenirs, meters that you can buy to measure some of the harmful effects of electromagnetic radiation. Um, so there'll be a lot of interesting things, including walking the labyrinth and, um, you know, walking just like Tesla did. And uh, just to take a few moments here and uh, tell me about Bob Connolly's film, The Healing Fields. Were you involved in, in that? Yes, Bob and I have been working together for probably the last three to four years, um, and we both became interested in healing therapies uh, simultaneously and decided to work together. So we've traveled to Europe a number of times to different parts of the United States. We've interviewed, you know, Bill Pollock, um, a number of other um, doctors who are using the therapy, scientists who are researching it. Um, and so his... his um, documentary uh, on the healing field is going to include sound, light, and electromagnetic field therapy. What he's going to be showing is just a small portion of that uh, at the Toronto Science Centre that deals primarily with Tesla and his, his technologies. And he's going to be showing some of the history of quack devices that are, are no longer available um, to use. All right. Uh, and so we're um, we're hoping also to see we'll, we will see a screening of of uh, the healing fields as well and and when is that going to take place that's going to well there's there's going to be a screening of the small portion of it um on July 10th um he'll probably show some of it on July uh 12th as well at uh, Joshua Creek um and hopefully by the end of this year um he'll have it ready and be ready to show a lot of people he also wants to go on the road with this um with his he's he's going to call it uh, Robert's plan band um, and take um, the show on the road and so if there are communities that want to um, see it firsthand and talk to some of the people he's going to have the equivalent of the TED talks the Tesla talks the singing plants and um, demonstrations on on stage so it'll be educational and, and highly entertaining uh, these are non-union plants I take it <laughs> 
Well, last question. Why don't we, why don't school children learn about Nikola Tesla? You know, they read about Marconi inventing the radio, which clearly he did not. That's right. Uh, why, why, did, why don't we learn about Tesla? Well, I think that's changing too. I think, unfortunately, he's, he's a genius who's been forgotten, but there are a lot of people who are absolutely fascinated by his inventions and still learning from him. And I think there's a revival um, of the interest in Tesla, and it will be in the school books, uh, and people will be learning about him. Because virtually a lot of the things that we use today came from him. You know, whether it's the fax machine, the cell phone, the internet, TV, radio, they're all based on his patents and um, his vision. He's a, he's a modern-day Leonardo da Vinci uh, and has been essentially stricken from the record books. All right. Well, listen, um, Dr. Havis, thank you, and uh, please uh, give my regards to the uh, aloe plant and the, uh, the Boston fern. And um, great pleasure speaking with you again. My pleasure as well, Richard. RichardSerrett.com is the website, your portal to The Conspiracy Show. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, and as always, follow the truth.